You are listening to Harvest Africa Untapped. I am your host, Fatima Musa. Earlier this year, the U.S. Department of Justice opened the case against Huawei with charges against alleged theft of intellectual property and trade secrets, obstruction of justice, and wire fraud. <laughs> so this has really fed into U.S. concerns about Huawei's proximity to the Chinese government because they really believe that their equipment has surveillance technology. Huawei, of course, has denied any wrongdoings and maintains its innocence through these recent charges and has really just responded saying that the U.S. has a loser's attitude because its tech can't compete. (laughs) So just to put everything in perspective and just give you a little bit of a timeline as to the series of events, this all already started in April last year. Um, Google was called out over its ties with Huawei, and then there were allegations that Facebook gave Huawei special access to their user data, so no surprise. Um, Then the Pentagon gets involved and bans the sale of Huawei phones on military bases in the US. And then just to fast forward to December 2018, the CFO of Huawei gets arrested in Canada at the request of the US. And Huawei responds saying that the arrest was politically motivated and that the US is treating 5G like military tech. Um, I think her bail was then set at $10 million. And then in May of this year, Trump effectively bans Huawei and Chinese consumers respond by boycotting Apple products. Um, It was then reported that Google was going to be cutting off Huawei phones from future Android updates. And the latest update was that the Huawei CEO predicts a $30 billion revenue hit from the US ban. Look, there's a lot more that can be said about this whole global effect that technology is having and how it's playing a role, like a major role in economies. But I really just wanted to bring it back home. Um, We know that China has established themselves in Africa and continues to strengthen its position in the continent. Huawei launched in Kenya in 1998 and now operates in 40 countries, providing networks to more than half of the continent. For example, Kenya has just signed a $172 million deal with Huawei in April to build a data center and smart city services. So if you've been following recent events, it's no secret how tech is being politicized and its effects on global markets. I think this tech war between Huawei and the US is really testament to how quickly the tech industry is advancing and how much of a role tech is playing in state affairs. So I am in no way an expert in tech at all. But what I am becoming really curious about is how Africa is engaging with technology and more so how we're preparing for this tech transition. The fourth African Tech Summit just took place on the 11th of June. Um, I think it was hosted in London. And it's basically a networking opportunity with international tech leaders, startups and investors to drive growth in Africa. The event covered a range of topics, including fine tech or fintech, uh, which I just learned is financial technology, and it's supposed to compete with traditional financial methods. Um, They covered investment, mobility, tech for good, and women in tech. I think the next summit is going to be hosted in Rwanda in February next year. The founder of Africa Tech Summit commented saying, African tech is growing up fast. Investment is increasing rapidly, and flotations are now happening in a very short space of time. 
We are excited for the future, which will see more African-founded tech companies listed, expanding globally and reinvesting in the next generation of African innovators. I think that there are some really cool things happening in tech across Africa that maybe as South Africans we may not know because it doesn't really take the spotlights in our media coverage. Yeah, and I think also we you have to… You haven't even like... introduced yourself. Oh. <laughs> so I have Kosa here who will just provide us with some insights into recent tech advances in Africa and just give us more of an understanding about why it's important to know what's happening in the rest of the continent. Hi everyone. Hi to the Have Us Untapped listeners. Very first episode. So um, I just want to put it out there that by no means am I a tech expert. Um, but what I am fascinated in and very passionate about are advances for South Africa and the African continent as a whole. I do think, and I mean Fatima touched on it now, that South Africans aren't always um, aware of what is actually happening in the rest of the continent. We we kind of divorced a bit and we see it in our media coverage. Um, even the places that we as South Africans, you know, choose mm. to go and visit, we it's, it's more affordable sometimes for us to go to Thailand or to Indonesia, Bali, rather than, you know, our neighbor next door. So developments in the African continent is not really something we are always tapped into unless your studies or your uh, mm. employment has taken you there, you know, the field that you're working in. Um, that being said, you know, you did mention that when it comes to tech and, um, you know, technology advances and innovation, sometimes, you know, we do think of it as something being mutually exclusive to social development. Yes. And I've had this opinion, you know, a few years ago, and I know quite a few people um, who have this opinion that when we talk about technology solutions in Africa, we we think more along the lines of, okay, but we have so many social problems that need to be addressed first. You know, people it's don't have... It's not a priority. Exactly, yeah. exactly. People don't have access to even basic services, um, even here in South Africa, I mean, our service delivery levels um, for the majority of South Africans are quite low. And can you imagine, you know, mm. some of our African neighbors? So we think... I think sorry, mm -hmm. just to stop you there. I think what's hard for myself to just wrap my head around is we are in... We, are, we have a seat at the table mm -hmm. in terms of tech. Like, we have the African Tech Summit. However, there's this push and pull because still we're seeing it's still very real that not mm -hmm. everyone has access to just Wi-Fi, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. So again, it's that idea of how can we integrate this idea of advancing in tech while also still developing as a country mm -hmm. and trying to play catch up with the rest of the world, mm -hmm. you know. No, I, I fully understand that. But I think one of the main um, ways to do this, especially the youth of the country now, um, we, we grew up in, in interesting times where... You know, we have access to Wi-Fi, we know about tech, but we may still not be on a good socioeconomic standing to afford the latest technology and to be well-versed in these things. But I think the the main thing in which we can do is stop looking at those two things as separate issues. Yeah. Uh, I do believe that we can start developing um, solutions heavily reliant on tech that can address our social or our socioeconomic um, issues. Okay, so what does that look like? Because we talk tech mm -hmm. in Africa, 
I don't think a lot of people know where to start mm-hmm. because as much as you know, you can research it mm-hmm. or like, where do you even start? What are mm-hmm. we looking at? What are we excited about? You mm-hmm. know? So, like I said, by no means am I an expert. Um, and <laughs> just to put that disclaimer out there, I don't want anyone Look, coming for me. This is really just a space to start the conversation. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. really how I see it. I, I'm not a tech expert. I didn't mm-hmm. study it. You didn't mm-hmm. study it. Mm-hmm. But the fact that we're interested in it. And we're just ordinary South Africans. And, and I think what, what we discuss we're going to mirror the level of knowledge that exactly. majority of South Africans know of. Um, with that, mm-hmm. And I don't think it should be far removed. Mm-hmm. You know, it's tech shouldn't be an elitist conversation exactly. where it's just people who have like Harvard degrees and exactly. whatever. Well-traveled. Well-traveled, and, yeah. you know, who attend these crazy workshops and summits mm-hmm. and conferences. You can do internships for free. <laughs> <laughs> no shade. Yeah. <laughs> but... There is this elitist, or at least my perspective yeah. of it is, you know, who actually has access not even just to these spaces, but to knowing about to the these knowledge. spaces, to the knowledge, yeah. you know. So, we were speaking earlier about these tech hubs in mm-hmm. Africa. Mm-hmm. Tell us more. I think that's a good place to start. Mm-hmm. So, um, tech hubs, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with what a tech hub is. Uh, but basically, I mean, on a grand scale, think Silicon Valley. Mm. Basically, it's, you know, uh, a dedicated space, whether it can be as grand as a city or just a small office space um, that's dedicated to tech startups. So it's an environment that's basically created for helping startup tech companies. They help them network. They help them to experiment. It's a very free type of environment where there's no such thing really as failures or being reprimanded or you know it's a free free flow environment just for startups to kind of experiment and network and get themselves going they can meet potential investors as well and um what's really good about these uh tech hubs is that that area you know however small or big it is like silicon valley can start to market themselves as um you know innovation hubs and they can attract investment and they can attract you know, quote unquote, a certain caliber mm-hmm. of people and graduates and whatnot. So we have in Africa about 442 Jeez. of these tech hubs, <laughs> which I think is a huge number, Yeah. Um, especially because this isn't something that was widely celebrated or, you know, widely publicized. Um, obviously, we have South Africa leading. So we have about 59 in South Africa. Mm-hmm. Makes sense because South Africa is viewed as, you know, the, the main economic center of the Southern Africa part. Mm-hmm. We have Nigeria following up with that, obviously, with 55 tech hubs. Um, so makes sense as well because Nigeria is kind of the superpower of the Western mm-hmm. part of Africa. We have Egypt with 34 and Kenya with 30. Okay, shout out to Egypt. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so um, we do have these tech hubs in Africa and they've actually, you know, been able to raise huge volumes of funding mm-hmm. from the international community. So it is it is kicking off and I, I do hope it continues with that trajectory. Uh, in Cape Town, I mean, they're even referring to there's a tech, hu- tech hub, I think, in the Vienna waterfront mm-hmm. or in that type of vicinity. And Cape Town is now being referred to as Silicon Cape, you know. <laughs> So it's very interesting when we see the way in which we can actually use tech and um, positioning ourselves as 
um, you know, at the forefront of that for the continent to attract investment and to boost the economy. So again, as exciting as it is to know that there are institutions, can we call it institutions established um, purely for the purpose of growing our tech industry in Africa, I still see so many limitations and challenges. And we did speak about this, but, you know, we're competing against ourselves. We're competing against the fact that we don't have access to Wi-Fi. And this cripples so many things. It cripples job employment. It cripples our education systems. So again, why should we be prioritizing tech over social issues? And even though they're not mutually exclusive, how do we, again, integrate these two issues? Very interesting point that you said now is why should we be prioritizing tech? And, you know, something that I'm very interested in is using technology to kind of solve or to be a part of the solution to social problems. Um, it's not necessarily prioritizing one over the other. It's kind of marrying the two and and letting them feed into one another. So, for example, we have this app. I'm not sure if you've heard of it. It's called CocoLink. Okay. So, it's an app that was launched in Ghana. And it was aimed originally at uh, farmers in Ghana who farm, obviously, you know, the cocoa bean. And um, it's been developed by Farmerline by Hershey's, the chocolate um, brand, and the World Cocoa Foundation, as well as the um, Ghana Cocoa Board. So this app is available on Google Play. It, you can download it for free. And the aim of this app is to reach out to farmers across West Africa. So farmers download this app. And like I said, it's a free app. And what this app does is, it shares information about weather forecasts. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure, you know, how, how you follow um, recent developments. But over the past few months, we've seen some cyclones um, that have hit Zimbabwe, parts of Zimbabwe and parts of Mozambique mm -hmm. quite hard. And we've seen people, you know, lose so many of their crops, which is obviously their economic livelihood, many of their animals as well. And so, I mean, imagine if they had an app like this that could, you know, explain weather forecasts that that talks about, um, you know, practices around production, uh, agronomic tips, harvesting. It's basically climate smart agriculture. I think that would be even useful in South Africa. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Because, you know, a majority of our farmers are considered as in the aging population. It's mm -hmm. not so much um, attractive anymore for young people. So, I mean, the problem that we saw in Ghana was that we had majority of the young population. And you must remember, Africa, majority of Africa's population is quite young mm. in comparison to other European countries. Uh, we saw majority of the population not really being interested in farming anymore, wanting to migrate, wanting to move to cities, wanting mm. to earn an income. This in the long term would obviously hurt the Ghanaian economy. Because, you know, a, a portion of the economy is reliant on their um, cocoa exports. So having an app like this um, and the app, for example, they have quizzes and, and little games. Um, it, it's twofold. So what it does is for existing farmers, it makes knowledgeable, easily accessible to them. We don't have, you know, a Madala basically looking for a library or looking for the nearest internet cafe so he can research about, mm. you know, farming practices 
um, or what effects climate change has on the current farming practices that he is already aware of passed through by generations. Mm -hmm. And we also have um, apps that attract the youth, you know, and that make farming and agricultural practices more accessible and more quote-unquote young, you know, and not something that's looking... Relevant, I guess, yeah. Makes it more relevant, makes it a part of innovation and makes it more exciting. So So something as archaic as agriculture, the agricultural industry, and now marrying that with a very millennial tech Exactly. It really attracts the youth and, and, you know, brings them back to farming practices. Okay, Mm -hmm. that's interesting. As well as providing um, important knowledge in terms of how to uh, farm sustainably. Mm -hmm. And when your livelihood depends on it, I mean, one bad cyclone that no one expected, you know, and that you weren't informed of could ruin all your crops. Mm -hmm. And then where are you, you know? For sure. Okay, so that's interesting. Take us to another part in Africa. <laughs> <laughs> We're just trying to touch base. There's so many countries. Yeah, and we're and trying to get away <laughs> from the stigma of like Africa's a country. <laughs> so like I really want to emphasize where these things are happening. So anyone who's particularly interested in that can start there. Yeah, so that is one example. There are many, you know, and it's going to take us ages to talk about all of them. But what I hope this does is to any listeners just sparks those types of concepts Mm -hmm. in their mind so that when we think about wanting to be entrepreneurs when we think about technology we also you know aim that at what we can do for our community and how we can improve our social ills um i'll take you to liberia now (laughs) (laughs) okay so um what i'm going to talk about it's not so much as an app but rather a program which Mm -hmm. utilizes technology to address illegal fishing. So on the coast, Liberia, Sierra Leone, for example, very, very rich in fish. And what we do see is a lot of illegal fishing or, you know, companies that operate there sometimes abusing the quotas that Mm -hmm. they've been allowed to, um, you know, simple things like using um, equipment and, and hauling more fish than they're allowed to, for example. So this has really hurt the local community because they rely on fish for their livelihood. They rely on it to feed their families. Mm -hmm. So it's really hurt, um, you know, local fishing communities. So the, like to address this issue, you know, there's been a, there's been a few things and, um, you know, they've recently, and I'm not sure exactly what the dates are, but there was a ban on fishing for a month. Mm. So just so that the, the stocks can replenish. But the Liberian government partnered with the World Bank, U.S. Coast Guard, and the Environmental Justice Foundation. And basically, their aims was to monitor the illegal fishing. So they went out and they trained local fishers, fishermen. (laughs) (laughs) They trained local fishermen. They trained local fishing communities. And they um, taught them how to, you know, take photos of illegal trawlers gave them GPS-enabled cameras, and those images would then feed back into satellite images so that they can monitor those areas Mm. exactly. And, um, you know, this is a a very good example. It's not necessarily an app or it's not necessarily something that is, you know, an amazing grand tech solution. It's just a program that utilizes tech in Africa uh, or in Liberia. And, um, I mean, following that, communities experienced a 40% increase in their in their call, basically, of, of fish. So we did see how that actually worked 
and um, I'm sure can be implemented in anyway. Yeah. yeah, but it's just about having that knowledge, understanding what issues the community or um, you know the region that you are focusing on has, and, and then how. using technology to then support that. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So I think my next question really is, even with all this information, what now? So, yes, it's amazing to know that there's these hubs in Africa and there's so many tech advances and how we're using tech in Africa. And I'm sure there's so many more examples that can come to light. But really, what I want to know is, what should we be thinking about? As I'm under 30 and... I am as well, (laughs) by the way. (laughs) I just want to know, like, as the youth... With this idea of innovation and marrying technology and social issues, what are the things we should be thinking about so that, because I feel that there is a big responsibility on us to see that transition through. Definitely, know? definitely. We we are going to be the forefront in seeing the transition through. I mean, obviously, our leaders are aging. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, basically, there are things that I think we should be asking ourselves. Do we feel that the youth of Africa, um, with all our challenges, it's, it's such an interesting mix of people that have been traditionally educated, people that are more in the agricultural sector, people that are growing up in war zones, thinking of all of those mixtures, do you feel or do we rather feel that we are well positioned to be main contributors or to be at some type of forefront when it comes to technology innovation Mm -hmm. and how we can use that type of innovation to address these various issues that we are experiencing on the continent. That I think is a very, very important question that we should ask ourselves. Um, We also should ask ask ourselves is, do we think that it's getting significant media coverage? Because, and I mean, we touched on this earlier, when it comes to issues around the continent, we don't really have a strong media covering mm. them. Um, we can be well-versed on in terms of international trade wars, what's happening overseas, those types of stuff, which there is nothing wrong with. Mm. But we don't have that same interaction when it comes to what's happening with our, our neighbor next door. The only mm. time we know about what's happening with our neighbor next door is when there's a huge crisis, yeah. you know. Other than that, we're not sure. So do we feel that we're getting significant media coverage? Are we demanding or holding our media providers responsible? Mm. You know, a, a lot of young people now are getting are, are getting into journalism, Citizen are starting journalism, their own yeah. blogs. I mean, Twitter is such a great platform. Definitely. What are you using your social media for? Yeah. Um, are you engaging in this type of content? Are you making this type of content and the knowledge that you have accessible to others? Are we, as the youth, also empowering each other mm-hmm. in terms of media and access to information? And making it less of an elitist, exclusive. Exactly. It's definitely not, and it definitely does not have to be an elitist, exclusive mentality. We need yeah. to break those barriers. If there's something tech that we feel intimidated by. I won't even lie. I feel very intimidated by tech, which same. I guess is a huge motivator for me to know more. Exactly. You know. But to some people, for you, it may be a huge motivator, you know, to, to learn about it. For another person, it's, hmm, I'm not really sure. I'm not tech it's savvy. It's not my interest. It's, it's not yeah. my vibe. You know, I'm going to kind of remove myself away from it. And I do feel like it has to start being everyone's vibe now because yes. this is the way 
the world is moving. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's something we should definitely be asking each other and asking ourselves. You touched on just attracting investments with these hubs and all these innovations. Do you think that we are investing ourselves enough in ourselves enough or are we relying too heavily on foreign investments? How do we find a sweet spot? I think we are relying too heavily on foreign investment. Um, there's nothing wrong with attracting foreign investment. There's nothing wrong with positioning yourself or your continent or your country or your small company or whatever the case may be to, you know, get, get foreign investment. But I do think that we need to invest in our own as well. Uh, I do think small companies need to partner up with one another. You know, even if their industries are, are not that similar, but small companies need to partner up with each other. We need so to collaboration. Be, and exactly. We need to collaborate. We need to share ideas. We need to network. Yes. You know, on our doorstep, we need to network. That is a conversation for another day. Because <laughs> networking is a huge factor huge. in any kind of advancement exactly. in any industry. You can't just focus on your own project, yeah. bury your head in the sand. Mm-hmm. and hope everything works out. You have to get out there sure. and you have to make the right right contacts and you have to inform yourself, basically. So um, I, I think, I do think that we need to start investing in each other and in one another more. If you know your friend is trying to start a company, invest in it, purchase from them. Don't expect a discount. Yeah. You know, eat at local restaurants, um, local tourism. That's something we don't really do. I mean, you have people from overseas that will tour within their own regions. And like I said, I mean, we won't even go next door. We will rather go to Bali. Not that I'm criticizing the, everyone. The, the I economy, think it's also just mm. um, accessibility. Exactly. The economy to, pay, plays a role. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to spend more money going to Zanzibar or yeah. Mauritius, then Into you would. Thailand. Exactly. Yeah. So, but it's just something to think about. Yeah, you definitely. Know? Yeah. yeah. So also another thing is we as South Africans need to be asking and also putting pressure on our government for is schools. Are schools preparing us well enough? And how are our education systems tied in with technology? We really need to develop our schools and develop more smart schools. Yes, I agree. But it's not just the establishment itself that needs to be tech savvy. It's Mm -hmm. more so changing the mindset of students to think in that way and to think that there isn't a linear way to learn. It's not that our traditional methods of teaching is just being supported by technology. We really need to relook the entire teaching system. I think so too. I think that's a big monster to take on, but I think we have to move with the times. We have to adapt. I, I, I agree fully. We are pushing out graduates, matriculants at huge numbers um, that don't really know about what is happening in the world and how to position themselves. Sure. And um, we need to start integrating tech. It's a challenge in South Africa, but just generally speaking, we should be, um, even if we, we have uh, programs, after-school programs, camps, summer schools, uh, just, you know, talking to students, integrating them with tech solutions, we should include technology in projects as well. Yes. I know. think that goes into making it less intimidating. Because exactly. if it's from grassroots level, like this is the future of the world globally. This is exactly. where you know, the world is moving. Let's not be afraid of it. Let's again 
just have fun with it have fun with it no just it's something else to know about exactly know? exactly it's something else to know about um yeah so i i do feel that it it's it's something that needs to be introduced and integrated as young as you know our school into our schooling system i think what really freaks me out about tech is i don't know if you noticed but with the new android phones your google thinks everything yes we've seen that with unprovoked <laughs> we've i have seen, not even been asked do you want to sing you just yeah. get into your google and all your bookmarks are mm-hmm. there like your, con- your facebooks are linked yeah. with your um contacts yeah. and that really freaks me out mm-hmm. um but again it's just about like understanding it more um being more responsible with technology and really just understanding like are we tech savvy or are we just being fed tech i don't you know? think we are tech savvy i think um or i speak for myself i was that <laughs> i think um if if my inter- and i'll tell you my interaction with technology is googling things is instagram <laughs> whatsapp uber eats and uber I think my well recently because mm-hmm. of this podcast I I've been challenged to know a lot more about like RSS feeds and mm-hmm. uploading and wow pixels and mm-hmm. a lot of you know I just downloaded Adobe mm-hmm. Illustrator is it Adobe or Adobe I Adobe. say Adobe I don't know whatever um so that's just been my recent interaction mm-hmm. with tech. But yeah, I'm limited to what I have on my cell phone. Exactly. And only when you're interested in something do you, you know, see, oh, okay, I can, you know, design logos on Adobe Illustrator or, mm-hmm. oh, I can get free pictures and I don't have to worry about any copyright issues yeah. through free pics. Or, but what I want to start thinking about and what I challenge everyone to think about is when we think about how do we use technology, let's move away from how we use it to serve us. Like I said, in terms of Uber Eats, in terms of this, in terms of that. We need to start looking at what we see around us Mm -hmm. and think about ways technology can improve our social living. So of course, this tech conversation and tech's presence in Africa um, it's an open-ended conversation. We can take it in any direction. Um, and I would really love to take this conversation online. So please follow us on Twitter at HaveUsAfrica Untapped. And let's just share information with each other. Like I said before, I am not an expert at this at all. But I think it's important. The responsibility is going to fall on us to really carry through this transitioning process And yeah, I think the more we share, the more we know, the more we learn, um, it's knowledge is always empowering. So I'd love to hear your thoughts. Hit me up. Let's talk about it. Let's, yeah, let's just share.